0: Welcome to the Misplaced Socks podcast. In this series, Nate and Matt, two White Sox-loving brothers, give their opinions, thoughts, and break down the week that was and the week that will be in White Sox baseball. Here are your hosts, Nate and Matt.
1: Welcome to episode 17 of Misplaced Socks. We're just a couple of guys talking about our favorite sport and our favorite team. My name is Nate. He's Matt. You can find us on Twitter. I'm at Real Coach Rusty, and he's at Matthew Ice03. Matt, we took a couple of weeks' break uh, coming out of the All Star break, and it uh, looks like I had vacation. You had some stuff going on. How's it going?
0: Going well i decided i would up the meme game and become twitter famous while we were gone so you don't really need to tell everybody my twitter handle they probably just have it memorized by now
1: when you make quality memes they they tend to find you
0: i and you know what i've tried so many times to make a quality meme you just gotta let it happen it's organic it just flows you know and i was evidently i was feeling it i didn't think it would be Honestly, I'm surprised I'm I was one of the first to make that meme. It just fit so well. Thanos yeah. looking, it, well, Lynn looking like a some big big bastard, Thanos looking motherfucker. So I it just fit.
1: I I thought it was good. The Twitterverse agreed. Oh. So It's time to talk White Sox again after our couple of weeks break. The vacation went well. Uh, Everything, uh, we made it back. We all survived each other. It was the entire (laughs) side of the family. So it was one of those, uh, we'll see how much family we can handle for a week.
0: Questionable. Surviving was questionable going into it,
1: I'm sure. Yes. Um, Questionable going in. Everybody is, uh, nobody's playing hurt. Well, we went golfing, and I am playing a little bit hurt now because I don't normally golf. So I got done with that So I was a, like, mm, that's a set of muscles I don't normally use.
0: That's exactly it. That twisting and like just every muscle that you have to get coordinated going during a golf swing, your body feels it like nothing. And it's a, it's a lopsided feeling. You'd have to swing both handed to get the feeling on both sides. So I get it. I do.
1: So, we're going to pick things up with a week ago, like we normally do. On the 19th, the Sox took on the Twins and we actually got a double-bill that day. And game 1, we got to see Lynn versus Griffin Jacks and Lynn goes 7 innings pitched, 5 hits, one earned run, only a single walk, only 4 Ks though. The Sox or the Twins, excuse me, were were on the stick a little bit, ready to hit. Against a fastball-throwing pitcher, I'm not that surprised. They kind of tend to feast on those things. Uh, Crochet comes in, throws a third of an inning, gives up the game-winning runs, and Burr finishes things up for the Sox. The game actually goes extras, so it goes eight innings, which is why Crochet and Burr got to go throw. Um, it. It was a tightly contested game. There was a lot of questions by people why Lynn didn't go out and throw more, being only at 90-something pitches. Uh, I thought they pulled him at the right time. Those are situations where we have to be able to rely on the bullpen. So The offense is relatively quiet. Four hits all throughout the day. They only end up putting up two runs. They... Tried to mount a comeback in the eighth inning. They get one run across after giving up two in the top of the eighth, though it's not enough. So the Sox lose game one, three to two. They come back for the nightcap, and that game again super tightly contested. It's two to one after the second inning, three to one after the fifth. The Sox manage a Moncada home run in the sixth, and then all hell broke loose. As Gavin Sheets in the bottom of the 7th against Barrios comes in and just annihilates the first offering he sees from Barrios. And that ball ends up so far in the right field stands, I thought the place was going to come down. The offense again only manages 4 hits. The interesting part about those 4 hits Mankata's is a home run, Abreu's is a home run, Sheets is a home run, Goodwin had the only non-home run hit at that point. So the game actually sees Lopez, Reynaldo coming in and starting, goes three innings pitched, two, two runs, one earned, one walk, three strikeouts. On the whole, not a bad outing from Raylo. Uh, not something that we want to see a bunch of, but Given the state that Dallas keiko has been pitching in lately, eh, would you rather see Raylo? Um, I don't. I don't think the answer to that is yes, but I'm not entirely convinced the way Dallas pitches this year.
0: Mm, that's a that's a fascinating question, and I will. I'm going to say yes right now. Do you want to talk about Raylo really quick? I don't know how much want, of this episode we need to dedicate to <laughs> our old friend Reynaldo, but
1: <laughs> the Reynaldo comeback his- episode.
0: Did you see his uh, his arm action change? Did you I watch did that not. Game?
1: This was okay, So this was a night where we were at uh, Jaden's. We were at your nephew's baseball game, so we were on the road.
0: Ah, yes. Not nah, analyzing arm actions in that game. I'm sure.
1: <laughs> no, <laughs> not so much. No.
0: So the work that Ethan Katz has done to try to shorten just all of Reynaldo's motion just kind of in Ethan Katz fashion is just it. it's wild to look at I, I, it's weird for me to see this kind of pitcher we were just talking about Cody Hoyer earlier with this big sweeping uh, kind of three quarter arm angle that would get the ball moving like crazy for a guy to come and bring everything into his body just like Giolito made the change to have Reynaldo do the same thing, so the the stark contrast between and it's like watching a brand new pitcher, and for that reason, I think it's uh, it's not totally unfair to say if Keuchel can't get it done through two times through the rotation, even if it's long man. I know we got Kopech, but eventually you kind of want Kopech to transition to a, into a longer role, uh, a long man in Raylo. Where he can keep control and still have some of that nasty bite on that fastball he has is dangerous,
1: and that's it's it's interesting because Raylo's minor league or not yeah minor league numbers so far this year did not indicate that he was going to come in and pitch this well. I'm curious that he only went three. Um, I'd have to go back and look at the full game logs to get a grasp on why he came out after the third. Um, that usually means he's probably only faced the lineup one and a half times through. And so it's how much exposure do you want to give Reynaldo, given that he pitched okay in that game, but his minor league numbers don't look fantastic. Maybe some additional time being up and working directly with Ethan gets, gets the fixes finished. Uh, I, would, I would assume he's probably going to need more than just being pulled up for a couple of weeks to be able to get that sorted out. My assumption is it probably would take the off season, but I don't know entirely if he's around after <laughs> this season, so we'll see. But that, that is encouraging, and yeah, like you said, if Dallas can't get it done, or maybe—I mean, we've talked about the theory of only twice through the lineup for Dallas— Reynaldo is the next supplement. We've talked about Copeck Ko- being that guy so that he can continue to build that stretch out, but they they've had an interesting time with uh Kopec since he's come back from that hamstring. So, something's uh, with Michael's still not quite right, I feel like. I feel like he's still trying to find it since going out with that hamstring. So, his having- command
0: was his command was kind of bad last night when he came in right and it, i thought the same thing i didn't your mind kind of jumps immediately to injury especially this year but it, it, i was curious something just looked off enough that like the way he was landing or just coming out of his uh, his pitch stance was not quite right so maybe it is the hamstring
1: potentially and it's it's hard to say for certain so something to keep an eye on but again a situation where Reynaldo might be a guy that you could then supplement Dallas Keichel with. Maybe you go Reynaldo first and then bring in Dallas. Da- I don't think Dallas would ever go for that, but I it's it's worth at least asking the question, I think. So In that game, we also see Foster throw for two innings, we see Hoyer for an inning, Bummer for an inning, Bummer ended up ended up getting the win, obviously, because we have the Gavin Sheets walk-off dinger. Uh, Lopez gives up the one earned run. Foster gives up an additional earned run. Outside of that, Hoyer doesn't give up anything but a single walk. And Bummer gives up nothing and finishes the game off. So after that game, the Sox see themselves at 57-37, and 37, still treading water and gaining a little bit of ground on the Indians. And so Tuesday... The 20th, the Sox come back, and we see a matchup of Dallas Keuchel versus Kelly Ober, and Dallas goes five innings pitched, two earned runs, four hits, two walks, six strikeouts, which on the whole feels a little bit high for Dallas this year. And so Dallas doesn't end up getting the win. The game is a little bit back and forth. The Sox jump out 2-1, to one, they jump out 4-1, to one, and then... The bullpen finds a way to kind of give away that lead in the eighth. The Sox end up putting up five in the eighth. They take the, uh, the Twins' relievers behind the woodshed a little bit and put the game away. The offense scrapes out nine hits, so nine runs on nine hits. Eh, you're doing pretty well at that point. Jose Abreu goes three for five in that game. Moncada goes three for four. Andrew Vaughn pinch hits and gets a, a hit as well as scores a run and has the RBI, probably a good assumption that he's going to hit a home run at that point, but he didn't. So the offense starts to heat up a little bit there. And it's interesting because you still have Tim Anderson trying to find it a little bit. He came out of the all-star break feeling good, got a little hot and now has cooled off a bit. So, and we'll talk about that a little bit later, I think, but the the offense scrapes out those nine hits. Jose Abreu has a little bit of a breakout game. Yoan uh, Mankata has a little bit of a breakout game. And you start to feel the wheels kind of start to turn a little bit. Momentum starting to build. Kopech comes in for two innings and relieves Keichel, kind of like we've seen be the plan. He ends up getting a hold in that situation. And the win ends up going to Aaron Burr. He goes an inning pitch. Hendricks comes in, gets the, excuse me, he does not get the save there. Burr gets a blown save. Hendricks doesn't get the save. Hendricks throws an inning, though, and strikes out two, walks one. Again, making things slightly interesting, but ending up causing no damage. So, the Sox walk away winning that one, feeling good about themselves. They come to Wednesday, and wouldn't you know it, the dreaded day game. And it's kind of been the, the thorn in our heel all year long. They come out and they lose that game 7-2. That game is Dylan Cease Day. Cease now 7-6 on the year after taking that loss. So he started out in Anaheim not looking fantastic. Came back in Seattle. Didn't look great, but looked eh, looked better. And then went on his run of pitching fantastic And he's kind of settled into that eh, 3 or 4, probably more of a 4 or 5, if it weren't for the fact that we have Dallas Keuchel roll. So Dylan goes 5 innings pitched, gives up 7 hits, 3 earned runs, walks 2, and strikes out 5. That 5 is probably the more alarming part. That is probably the number that, for Dylan, if he's going to have incredibly high success he's got to have swing and miss stuff he's got to be striking guys out so when he's only got five strikeouts you're probably not looking at a great outing from him because he's not a guy that can afford to give up the contact because when he gives up the contact it's hard hit balls and he is not an incredibly ground ball heavy pitcher so that's For me, that kind of tells the tale of how that game went and was going to go. Cody Hoyer comes in, throws an inning. Jose Ruiz throws two. Crochet comes in for one. Overall, they give up 11 hits. Cease gives up seven of those, so the bullpen came in, does a pretty good job. They end up only giving up four earned. Cody, in his one inning, did not look fantastic, Um, but that's kind of been the story of the bullpen this year. Is we always have one guy that comes out, if not more. But there's always one guy that comes out in the game and just, just doesn't have it. And just can't find a way to find it. Just doesn't have it. So, the offense puts together ten hits that usually should be a recipe for success. They only manage two runs. They end up leaving fourteen on base. The offense. That day is led by Andrew Vaughn, goes two for four, and Billy the hitter goes two for four. So the offense not led by many people you would expect. Andrew Vaughn, we have come to expect Billy the hitter. Uh, if he's helping lead the offense, we might be looking at a problem. And I should say Tim Anderson goes two for four that day as well. So Timmy starts to get it a little bit going there, but not enough to help the offense out and the Sox lose that game 7 to 2. They go into the off day on Thursday at 58 and 38. Things are looking middling. Splitting that series with the Twins does not feel great. I'm not I wouldn't be happy about it, but at the end of the day, you didn't lose the series, which is Generally, when you have a big lead, it will be a recipe for success. So after the off day Thursday, they travel to Milwaukee. And Matt, I think you have some thoughts on Milwaukee.
0: Wonderful Milwaukee. Now, some, some might say that Wednesday, are that it's the rowdy teles of baseball games. Like the day game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The thorn in our side, get the it? The
1: thorn in our side, the Sox killer. It, <laughs> it could just be that it's day games that it's the Sox killer, but no, Jorge Soler tonight tells me it's not just day games.
0: Yeah, he's he's making a case for himself, but us and I'll get into a little bit why he was uh, a easy nominee to the Sox killer club. But first, of all, I'll we'll go chronologically here. I, talk a little bit about uh that first game on third friday not thursday friday really i want to bunch together friday and saturday because i think they were equally disappointing and i have a theory as to why the Sox had not necessarily struggle uh their struggles with scoring runs but um why they were giving up so many runs so Sox lose one to seven on Friday and they lose one to six on Saturday the the Saturday game that was an error Aaron Bummer bummer fest you know as as we have seen many many times throughout this year he came in and gave uh three runs up in the uh oh what inning was that he came in in the seventh inning. Stayed for two thirds of the inning, gave up three runs. Uh, his ERA up to four nine six. He just he has been disappointing to watch in most of his outings this year. And uh, props to the Sox and props to Larusa for continuing to believe in him and and look to give him the opportunities to get right, but he just hasn't done it. So it, it was a combination of Bummer and Burr collapsing, giving up six runs in that seventh inning, uh, and that was the end of it for that one. On the other side, Rowdy Tellez puts together three RBIs, um, has himself a night on two of those RBIs were solo shots that night, and then if you look at Friday, he had a couple of RBIs as well to uh, tack on to that seven-run victory, or seven-to-one victory that they had over the Sox. So, Really, I think those are for different reasons, equally disappointing games, but games where I am curious if the two pitchers that pitched those two games, um uh, or not two pitchers, but the starting pitchers, and Giolito did pretty well against him, but Rodon and maybe looking at Bummer and Burr. Are they is it do you do you think that there's a potential for an Ethan Katz? Mentality or kind of the way he prepares pitchers to go into some certain lineups that is almost Belichickian. And by that, I mean, do you think there's the potential that they focus on kind of the guys in the lineup and how they want to attack them and they make damn sure that they're going to put those guys away, but that there might be some lapse then? that creates opportunities for guys like Rowdy Torres, for guys like uh, Freddie Galvez, Glaber Torres when he's struggling. Some of those guys that, maybe they're not uh, slouches by any means. We're watching this game tonight, Jorge Soler, not a slouch, but really struggling this year. The potential to kind of overlook, I, I'm, I struggle with saying overlook, but the, the potential to maybe not be in the mindset of worrying about those guys when you have other guys to worry about in the lineup.
1: I I don't think that's an Ethan Katz problem. Um, I you
0: think it's just a focus problem from it, these guys, like certain guys?
1: A hundred percent because they these guys go through the scouting reports, they go through the splits and where they're hot, where they're not. They go through the game plan. And so, it, 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 I have to believe that the situation is that they're going, okay, this is a guy that is struggling. I shouldn't have to bring my ace stuff to the plate on this guy. And that's why it seems like it's always the guy that you least expect. It's the Jorge Soler. It is the Eric Haas. It is the Rowdy Telez, that they, they are relaxing and they're not keeping that same level of attention to detail or aggressiveness or whatever it is. They, they are not bringing the same level of focus to that batter as they are the rest of the lineup. I think you are right in that they their approach is these are the guys that cannot hurt us. We cannot allow them to hurt us. But the problem is, the White Sox pitchers are taking that and they're, I'm going to say, taking some liberties with it, if you will, and then going, okay, if those are the guys that can't hurt us and we have to make sure of that, these are the guys we're not worried about hurting us, and then they start to relax because it's incredibly difficult, especially across 162 games, to have that level of focus every time you're on there, out there on the mound, and so... The problem is, what should happen is you get burned once, shame on me. Get burned twice, you can't get burned twice. There's an old saying in Tennessee, I know it's in Texas, probably in Tennessee, that says, fool me once, shame on Shame on you. Fool me, we can't get fooled again. And so... Well, sure you can. I mean, fricking! It's been doing more than <laughs> more than it's not at this point.
0: Mm-hmm. So i i I guess I would even take it one step further. I guess is my point. I to see it and its confirmation bias. I know, but because we watch this team and we see some week in and week out some of these guys that beat us when they shouldn't. I, I don't see that happening to other teams, so I, it makes me it makes it feel systemic. It makes it feel like an organizational problem more so than an individual problem.
1: Um, I would guess that it's probably happening to other teams. It probably is a little bit more hidden because we are one of the top pitching staffs and one of the top top starting rotations in baseball. And so it, it becomes a little bit more glaring at that point because we're shutting down pretty much everybody else, but then there's always one guy, right? It's always just one guy. Yep. And then if the other thing is, is I will be the first person to tell you my attention to detail of other teams is completely lacking. So <laughs> it's probably happening to other teams, but I don't care because – I'm not a fan of other teams. I'm a fan of the White Sox.
0: Yeah, about the only other games I watch anymore are the ones that, because I'm now in Eastern time zone, West Coast games are, start at like ten ten. and the Sox game is just ending, and I'm like, oh, I want to watch some more baseball. So whoever is playing that night right. at 10, ten I'll turn on. But that's about the extent of it. Maybe a little bit of red stuff since I'm in the proximity now, but that's just because they're on the radio when I'm driving home from work.
1: Well, then you might as well catch some Reds games, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So kind of putting a bow on those two games, uh, the Sox offense is middling regardless. Rowdy Telez can hit four solo shots in a game if he wants to. But the socks should be putting up, and they are by runs per game in twenty twenty one putting up more than four in a game. We lost by five and then we lost by six in Friday Saturday so it's a little bit you win some lose some in my eyes on those the the things that continue to be issues like bummer meltdowns and uh some of some of things like that they. There's still issues, and they're going to continue. I think to be issues. This bullpen isn't going to be exactly what we wanted it to. So, I don't want to belabor that point too much more because, really, the game in this Brewers series that was really exciting was that uh, that Sunday night game on ESPN, getting some uh, national attention. And what's interesting to me is another is two smaller market teams that you can call if you want to call Chicago. A small market team. I think that's fair. Since they split with the Cubs, right?
1: Yeah. I, I wouldn't it's... consider them small market team. I would say under marketed team.
0: Okay. Okay. Brewers are a true small market team. Socks are a under marketed team. Fine. My point is having both of those kinds of teams on, e- on, on, uh, national television—you kind of lose that—that that, uh, one team gets all the attention mentality or uh, reality. Honestly, <laughs> the Sox go play uh, New York, and it's on national television. New York's going to get a lot more run. So it was just kind of get to see both sides of of how they broadcast that was refreshing, to say the least. Right, but. A little more of the nitty-gritty into this game. It's Lance Lynn day, so that's automatically exciting. But not is, not only is it Lance Lynn on the bump day, it's Lance Lynn at the plate day. And boy, does he come through! Uh, I think it was two singles to start the inning, and it was Sebi Zavala that said, "Guy behind me was hitting a hitting a pretty big stick lately, so he just had to get it in his hands and." That paid off. Lance Lynn comes up, gets a 2-RBI a single, and really just goes and does it himself. Fine. I'll do it myself. With what amounts to the game-winning hit in that game. He comes in and... Kind of feeds off that energy, continues to just pound the strikes on the fastballs. And despite a cutter that he got a couple of really good strikeouts on, not being uh, that accurate all night long, he was able to kind of control that, uh, that four seam of his and pinpoint it. And let me look and see. It's another thing that I didn't look at was how many strikeouts he had last night. But within the first couple of innings, I think each of, both Woodruff and Lynn had like six strikeouts in the first two. I think they both are in the first three, I should say. Okay, Lance Lynn ended up only actually having six strikeouts. So he was, he was coming at it strong at the beginning. Uh, but he yeah, he lowers his ERA down to 191, the lowest in like 40 years for a White Sox pitcher at this point in July. Um, he is just everything and more that the Sox could have asked for in this pickup for the year, as well as the uh, guy that we inked to two more years. So, uh, that yeah, the Sox really ride the back of all of their all of their power this year, the Lance Lynn power,
1: and really riding. The guys that uh should just be the ones knocking the cover off the ball. The Cease and the the Lynn. You know, the guys you expect to just mash.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm hmm. Call Otani Who? That's what
1: that's what I'm saying. Like that guy I don't care if he hit a hundred home runs in the home run derby. He's got nothing. <laughs> on this White Sox pitching staff. I
0: did see a a pretty good tweet where it had Lance Lynn and Otani side-by-side and it said, spot the difference. I thought that was pretty funny. Uh,
1: So, the Sox get one of three against Milwaukee and I know you have a topic that's burning a hole in your pocket and I... I have thoughts, but I'm going to let you take the steering wheel here. I'm going to let you drive.
0: Okay. Well, if I must. I-, I will say every whenever you write something, it is a very good idea to let it sit for a few days, a week, however long and come back and read it again. You will often find you sound you like a, a jack of- wagon. Well, you make a lot of grammatical errors. Some of them change the entire structure of the sentence and maybe the meaning. And you don't always mean what you said when you originally wrote it. Now I'm saying this, I could just tell the podcast listeners whatever I wanted them to hear. But I just want you to know that sometimes it's okay to change your mind. As I like to tell anybody that is, it's okay to be wrong. That being said, I still don't believe in this team's success wholeheartedly. Now, I want to celebrate all of the successes that the Sox have had up to this point. I mean, what are they, nine and a half games up or nine flat now?
1: Uh, after tonight, nine flat.
0: Nine flat, that's right. After that game, is that is that with the final that just came in the game tonight? It should be, yes. Okay, well. That they're up a a margin, quite a bit of a margin that makes it look like it might be hard to be unseated, even if Cleveland starts to kind of plane out a little bit. But the 2005 team, the 2006 team in that first half and really now are as much fun as I can remember having being a White Sox fan. But there's always a but always I'm still I'm still skeptical of the long-term staying power of this team. They haven't really done anything to convince me they can beat good teams other than that Toronto Series and the Tampa Bay Series and Toronto's even kind of having their own issues even though they have some young talent that should be kind of carrying them in that division a little more than they are but especially so especially that Tampa Bay Series, And then that Astros series taking two out of three coming out of the all-star break was something I didn't have on my notes here when I originally wrote this. But they showed a lot, a lot of, I don't know if it's resiliency or just determination to go out there and show them that, yeah, they got swept in a four-game series in the first half. But this is not a team that's going to roll over just because they went and had a bad week against one team. So that definitely changed my perception on a lot of the things that I wrote down here, but the numbers don't change uh at least for the first half. You still had to get pretty lucky in the in those series against the Blue Jays and Tampa Bay, and they were got really unlucky in that series against the Astros in the first half that they got swept. Uh, it's just not enough to show me though. That you're going to be able to go in and win a a seven-game series against anybody on any given night. I mean, it took Glass now getting hurt in that Tampa Bay series to get one of those games because I truly—I mean, he was—he was walking away with it before he got hurt that game. It took some great Dallas Keuchel in that series, which we have seen very few glimpses of it. But at times, Keuchel can be great. We just got done talking about how not great he can be. Uh, so running into great Keichel helped a ton. It's just a lot of fortune. It's just a lot of... And the biggest fortune of it all has been the division that the Sox play in this year. Being unfortunately fortunate and unfortunate um, that the most of the Central, NL and AL for that matter... But most of the AL Central is below 500. I believe at the break, Cleveland was either one game under or at 500, and they were the closest to the Sox. So the team is below 500 in one run games. Their record against teams above 500 is below 500. It's 23 and 24. Their record against teams above 500 is 31 and 11. And again, a lot of those come. Against teams in the central. Now I know you're going to argue me on all of this, but you are—you were the biggest proponent for this fact before the game, before the season started, and and all of last season in that 60-game sprint. That yeah, we we made it to the playoffs. We had a good, a decent record. We're having a decent record now, but it's not about how many you beat when you get to the playoffs. It's who can you beat.
1: Mhm. And it, to to kind of piggyback on that too, it's frustrating to look at the record and go we're a good team and then watch us play other known playoff teams and perform in that fashion. And then look at the deadline and watch the Padres pick up 3 guys and then watch the A's pick up Chafin from the Cubs tonight, and then look at the White Sox for the last week and go, okay, your needs have been very, very glaring for a relatively long time this year. Yeah. And have have done nothing. Han has not made a move yet, and we said early... It's probably because we're getting squeezed a little bit because there's a known need. We have Eloy back. That doesn't solve our power left-handed bat problem. It doesn't solve our second baseman problem. It doesn't solve our relief pitcher problem. Our relief pitchers are a problem right now because almost every game, there is one guy that goes out there and just implodes on the mound.
0: Despite what... Matt Vaskirjan thinks. Right. Uh, he he blatantly said during the broadcast yesterday, this bullpen has been, I don't know if it was one of the best or they don't really have any needs at bullpen, like picking up anybody. He, it was, that was, if there was any, or if there was ever a uh, glaring reason to say that national broadcasters don't care about the Sox or whatever, you're you're uh, saying about that whole situation. That was it. To say that the Sox one of their strengths has been their bullpen this year is just a—it's completely, completely uh, false. Not real. Not true.
1: Incorrect. And if all he's looking at is Liam Hendricks, then yeah. for the most part, he's right. Liam has had a couple of games where he's gone out there, and he himself has imploded and not got the job done. He's been put in a couple of bad spots, but that's why we paid him the money we paid him. So on the whole, you kind of got to figure it out. But that does tell you he probably isn't looking at the whole picture because the numbers are not pretty (laughs) when it comes to our bullpen. (laughs) They go stretches where they look okay. But their numbers are not fantastic. But, as I said earlier, I don't pay attention to other teams. Maybe other teams are having the same problem. I I mean, you look at the Twins, that's what they're notoriously known for right now. The big difference is our starters are outperforming their starters by a wide margin. So maybe we're the Twins, like, the the deluxe version of the Twins or something. I don't
0: know. Twins. Ooh, I don't know if I like that, but I understand your meaning.
1: Yeah, I mean you know what I'm saying, and you listed yeah. off the the records in close games and against good teams. The record against good teams matters because who are the teams that we're gonna see in the playoffs?
0: So, exactly. Yes. Thank you. And this is that is actually Oh, above five hundred. The Brewers and Astros are both above five hundred, and we want a collective three and three against them. So yeah, it, we're still under five hundred. Mm-hmm. So
1: it, it's you can tell me oh, it's all part of a one sixty two. We're we have this lead, whatever you want. We very clearly have gaps in our roster, and we very clearly have gaps performing against good teams. This all could be, uh, um, as Joey Tribbiani would say, moo point. Uh, it's like <laughs> a cow's opinion. It's moo. It doesn't it doesn't mean anything. Um, come September, because the offense could get incredibly hot, the pitching could maintain, and then all of a sudden we are world beaters at that point. But the reality is, looking at it right now, we are at the end of July. We have... A 60-day sprint left to the end of the season to get ourselves prepared for that October playoffs run. We're not likely to have to play a play-in game like we had to last year. Okay, cool. That's great. Then we're going to have to try and win a five-game series. We have Lynn, we have Geo, and then we have whoever it is we throw third, whether that be Cease whether that be Keiko, whether that be Rodan. I, I mean, realistically, it's going to be Rodan, it's going to be Lin, and it's probably going to be Geo. And you got to try and win those three in there. You don't want to go Games 4, and you definitely don't want to go Game 5. We'll see what happens. At the end of the day, then they got to go try and win a 7-game series. And there haven't been many series this year against good teams where they have looked really good, let alone for that stretch that you would need to win a series. So it's, you can't look at the the record and go, this is what this team is because this is not what this team is. And, how how i would measure it you throughout the stat of their record in one run games and we said this in episode i don't know four probably again in episode five around that same time the games that the 05 team won that made everybody look at them and go well they can't be legit are those one run two run games that team always found a way to win those games. And everybody looked at them and looked at their record and went, oh, they're not that. They keep winning these close games. They're they're, getting by. They're super lucky. There's a reason they won that year, and it's because they could take those one-run games and put them on the correct side of the column.
0: Yeah, I mean, once is an accident, twice is a coincidence. three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. 10 times that you succeed when you could have failed, and you start to think there's it's not just random chance anymore, it's not just a random pattern of occurrence. It, this is real, this is something that you can chalk up to the heart of a team, to the, the talent of a team, to just being a good team, you know?
1: Right. And at some point, Denny Green said it best. They are who we thought they were.
0: But they are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's a stat out there that it's, it's an adjusted run differential based on strength of opponent, I believe. And I want to find that. I'll find it later. I'd be curious to see, based on that stat, where the socks rank. I already know it's not. I already know they would drop considerably, but I'm just curious how considerably. Are they equivalent to a 500 ball club in maybe a, a different AL division? Are they below? Are they still above but only barely? Cuz they they don't they don't sit in the top 5 like many power rankings this week have them. I'm sure of it when you adjust there. When you adjust that run differential, so I I I,
1: I would have to believe even with an adjusted run differential they're probably still pretty close to where they're at simply because their their expected ERA's are not that much incredibly higher. I would say like we saw we talked about earlier before we started recording, Dallas Keuchel's outperforming his expected ERA, but Beyond that, it, it it feels like they're pitching well enough that they're not the underlying numbers don't go, oh, this is an alarming, they got they're gonna come back down to earth. Everything that we see so far is actual real. it, it it's right. real pitching. Their underlying numbers say this is what they should be doing pretty close to. So I I would have to believe, even given a regression in the run differential, they're probably pretty close to where they're at regardless. But that's purely speculation on my part.
0: Yeah, I am trying to find it. Can't remember. I, th- I saw it on Twitter somewhere. So maybe it's the stat somebody made up. But I, that would be interesting to me, I think. Another thing I think would be interesting. I didn't take it this far, but the team, like I said, is below 500 in one-run games. I'm curious what their record in one-run games against teams above 500 is, <laughs> and that's 500 at this current moment. Like right. when I wrote it, it was the I. That was too much work for me to try to go check each record as the game as the season progressed for each team. I said, screw it. And I just picked where I was at.
1: Just went with what I had.
0: Yeah. So all that being said, it boils down to this team is going to look a lot more like what we thought it would at the start of the season as we go forward with Aloy coming back. At the time I wrote this, I didn't know when he was coming back. Uh, I I think I knew that it was relatively soon, but he hadn't been cleared for anything yet. Um. He's back, and I don't think he had that great of an outing tonight, but he will get there. Robert is starting his rehab assignment. Uh, the bullpen is getting a little bit healthier. I know Bummer came back, and maybe that's not to the um, not to the benefit of the Sox bullpen at this point, but if he can come back and, and find some form, healthy is healthy in that regard. We got Kopech coming back from the hamstring injury. We got Oh, Marshall will be back at some point. So this team is going to get back to it's with the identity that we saw at the beginning of the season. But that's going to present some of the challenges um, of trying to (sighs) trying to create rapport with each other uh, for some of these guys that have been out, been out for so long to try to fit guys back into the lineup and shift things around and lose some of the chemistry. Like, what What happens to Billy the hitter? What happens to just some of these guys that are are filling these positions that have kind of made themselves into White Sox teammates just with uh, some some small moments like Billy putting the uh, bubblegum hat on last night. I hope you <laughs> saw that. It's just, I mean, these guys are loved by the teammates, by the fans. So challenges good challenges to have but challenges nonetheless i hope the Sox can reshape themselves again twice in one season really three times not just into a winning ball club but a team that can beat anyone standing against them on any given any given day
1: and that's uh, reinvent themselves in in the sense for me it's reinvent themselves into a team that brings some consistency every night Right now I think part of their problem is is you're not seeing a consistent effort every night. I don't feel like I don't feel like they are. Uh, it feels like some nights they bring a whole lot of energy, and then it feels like some nights they don't have a lot of energy. And the hope was tonight that Eloy would bring a lot of that energy since he was back. He went over tonight. You said he didn't do very well. You're right, he went over four. And it's going to take a little bit of time for that energy to kind of come back in, I think. But the problem is right now is they they went through a 60-game season last year where they had all the energy all year long. And right now, it just feels like this is a team that doesn't have a lot in the tank. Some of it's because they're playing middling baseball, I think. Some of it's because they do in order to sustain that, like we said at the beginning of the season, it's going to wear on you. It's just not something that can be out there for 162 games. Sustainable in 60 games, yes. Sustainable in 162, not so much. So they need to. They are struggling right now to find, I think, that balance. The key part that's missing to me is finding a way to bring enough energy that you can go win ball games consistently because that's what they need. They need to start winning consistently, but not tax yourselves to the point of they came out and they played well last night. They put together a great effort against a good Milwaukee club. I still think Milwaukee's similar to the White Sox in that if you stack them up against the other teams in that league, they probably are are the more fraudulent of the group. But at the end of the day, they put together a good effort against what appears to be a good team, and then they come out tonight and they give up three solo shots and can't find a way to win the game because they just don't have that level of urgency or that level of energy to get the team
0: going. Dibs on talking about this Monday night game next week i'll just okay. skip it we already talked about it i'll just i'll just go on to tuesday
1: i mean there's a lot we that happened tonight points. that we didn't talk about
0: oh fine then maybe i'll undibs it for now
1: Why well, you can dibs it still that's fine i'll forget okay
0: um yeah so what else i guess not what else but what what did you have on mind after our our break cuz a lot happened and we didn't really talk all that much ourselves about it.
1: No. Um, we, di- we didn't talk a lot in that break because it was not only a break from recording. It was a little bit of a break from baseball, but a little bit of a break on just we have a lot going on in our separate lives. But mm-hmm. um, my, my one thing that I would have right now is it, Tim had a pretty good first half and then he made it to the all-star team and then we've come back out in theory tim hasn't looked as great he had a good stretch here after the break but he hasn't looked as great as he did in the first half looking at his numbers though the second half he's batting 333 he's slugging 600 he has a woba uh, yes a woba 412 in the first half he hit 298 with a slugging of 4.11, so his slugging's way up. His WOBA is 3.24 in the first half. But right now, Tim's bringing all of that with him here in the second half. We don't have a lot of that following him. So I have been pretty staunch on Tim Anderson is the guy that stirs the drink. He's the guy that gets the people going. And right now he's trying to get things going for the team. And right now, not a lot of people are following him. And I don't know if it's if it's because we have a lot of individual pieces necessarily. One of the things that's interesting to think about for me is you made the point that Billy has gained a lot of stardom. I'll call it. Uh, be good. Brian Goodwin has a pretty decent following with the Sox. And so we have the the Yerminator. We have a lot of guys that are gaining this kind of energy, but it almost feels like it's getting siloed. Like Brian has his own group and his own energy, and it's not carrying over to the rest of the team being energized. And then we have... Billy the Hitter, whose energy is kind of getting put to himself. And I'm not, don't mistake what I'm saying for as these guys are selfish. Because I don't think they're going, oh, look at me, guys, look at me. The team builds each other up. But for some reason, all of these kind of individual things are not leading to team success. They're leading to limited team success, but they're not li- leading to l- longevity, I would say. And it's it's super weird right now. And so for me, the guy that needs to stir the drink is Tim Anderson, and he's doing what he can. Right now, Tim Anderson is literally that guy that lives, like, across the street from you, and you look out your kitchen window, and he's out there trying to mow his grass, And he's trying to have the best looking lawn out there, and he can't get his mower to start. And you're watching (laughs) him, and he's pulling, and he's pulling, and it doesn't matter how many times he pulls the cord, that thing's not firing. And you're sitting there going, you got a spark plug wrong or something in there, bud. Maybe your carburetor's plugged, you need to get that cleaned out. Something's wrong there. You got a problem in your motor. Um, the, The problem in the White Sox motor obviously being our needs at bullpen and second base, but Tim's out there trying to crank that motor to go and he can't get it to go right now. So it, it's it's interesting to me that we say Tim has to be the guy and right now Tim is leading by example by putting up the numbers in the second half and the guys I don't think they're not following but the results are not following.
0: Yeah, um we all kind of we've seen the leadership of Tim Anderson and we've seen what he can do with the stick and we've seen his defense improve. We've seen a lot to love and really good reason to want to put him in that position as the guy that this team needs for for that energy, but maybe maybe this team needs to look elsewhere <laughs> until he figures it out. Because He will, but everybody's got to recharge the battery. I mean, you you know that, Mr. Mr. Farmer's Tan, coming off vacation. Yep. So
1: it's got to happen sometime.
0: You know, I just, I love Tim Anderson, but maybe let's ride a Lance Lynn for a little while. Maybe let's, oh, that's very nice, looking bronze.
1: Well, here's the thing is, I was trying to show, like, you can't see it,
0: but there's, like, three
1: levels to this tan. (laughs) Because there's the, like, super dark that starts at the, like, three-quarter sleeve length. Mm Because when I was golfing, I was like, oh, I don't need to burn my entire arms off. I'll wear my (laughs) baseball shirt, which is the three-quarter sleeve. So there's that line. And then there is the Farmer's Tan line further up the sleeve, which is where my my normal t-shirt sleeves are at. So Mm -hmm. you're you're making fun of my Farmer's Tan. You don't realize there is levels to this shit.
0: It's thought out. You really put a lot of thought into it.
1: I like like the gradients on my arms. (laughs) Hashtag 2021 things.
0: It's less noticeable then. I almost put the Lilo and Stitch ice cream guy. But... If there weren't gradients, then maybe I would have thought it looked a bit more appropriate <laughs> um yeah anyways tim anderson uh give him give him some time and get closer and get out of this grind of one sixty two and I think he's gonna just start to whether it's from the dugout or with the stick he's gonna he'll power this team at the right time. I'm not so worried about him
1: i I think Where the problem is happening is the last couple of years for these guys, it has been not just one guy. And the the phrase that people use, and the very common baseball phrase is, hitting is contagious. Right now, for whatever reason, the hitting has not been contagious. For whatever reason, Tim hits, and the rest of the team just seems to kind of struggle to follow. Um, Andrew follows suit every once in a while. We've seen Juan yeah. a couple of times, but for whatever reason, Tim, whatever Tim's doing is not translating. And normally we have like Jose Abreu who is also following suit. So all of a sudden you get Batman and Robin, whichever is which, kind of your choice, but you kind of get that one-two combo and it really builds up the rest of the team and they get going because they're excited because you've got a and B going. And right now, we have A and that's kind of it.
0: Uh, Yeah, i trying to find a good Batman and Robin gift to post on Twitter, so turns out there are none. I gotta well, make it myself. Fine, yeah. I'll do it myself. There it is. <laughs>
1: so, that's that's kind of my burning thoughts right now is it's it's a little bit puzzling to me that Tim is doing the job, he's being the guy, and he, he just doesn't have anybody following suit. And it's frustrating to watch because we know we're getting the best of Tim right now, and I'm not going to say we're wasting it, but we're not making the most of it, that's for sure.
0: Yeah. He had, I mean, he had... Uh mercedes earlier in the season he had uh Mankata for a long stretch he, he continues to hit the slugging is not there which i think is a little bit interesting um but his slugging has kind of decreased as he's started to try to lower his k rate over the last year and a half or so and you see a lot more just kind of slaps to to the short outfield so
1: one yeah. one thing yeah, that's that uh, the CBS Fantasy Baseball podcast was talking about is his, his launch angle in the month of July, I believe was the sample size they were talking, is up by, I think, like three degrees or something. So yeah. that will lead to the slugging starting, which, I mean, we can see the slugging's creeping up. He's at 600 yep. now versus in the first half he was slugging 411, so...
0: You really it's, do need a Batman and Robin right now. Well, like when you're struggling most to score runs, uh, uh, having the superhero and his sidekick to inject some fuel into the into the rest of the guys—it's uh, greatly needed. And you're not wrong. I was going to say just before you did, Andrew Vaughn has been one of those guys where he—it never ceases. He's going to hit. A mammoth home run, and it's only going to come when the Sox are down seven to one. Like, he's never going to give up, he's always going to go out there and give you really good at bats, and uh, even when you're down by six runs in the top of the ninth, you know. But there's nobody else there to back it up, there's nobody else there to get on base. So, Andrew Vaughn can have a potential game changing hit, it's just he goes up there. Smacks one four hundred fifty feet, rounds the bases, and we go home losing by one less. So you got you got to have guys on base in today's game. To you need the you need the two three, four run shots to to really carry yourself.
1: And that's we we talked about that in one of the tiger series one of the first series with the tigers
0: Mm -hmm. eric
1: haas kind of went off and we and we said at that time one of the things that the Sox had done really well up to that point was avoiding multi-run home runs they had given up a, a i would say okay number of home runs but they did a really good job of limiting the damage to it because it was solo shots that's the problem that they're having now, though, is they're hitting, they're definitely hitting more home runs, especially in the month of July, but they are not getting guys on base around them to actually make it punishing.
0: You know, all Eric Haas did is come back and, after listening to our podcast, most likely said, Oh, go do that some more if that's all it takes. Then he came and hit two, three run shots in the same game at a later series. So, <laughs> that's what do yeah. you think of that? Yeah, me too. But yeah, um, I I think I would be remiss. And maybe I'll wait for you to ask me what my closing thought is. Well. I'll do that. Okay.
1: That's everything that I have. Those are my thoughts (laughs) right now. That's what I'm carrying around in my bag in terms of the White Sox. We got to get some help. We got to get somebody in here. We got to do something to change the energy in this team right now because the energy i don't think is bad around the team but we need to change it in some fashion and that needs to come in some form of the bullpen needs to become lights out and just start nailing down or we need to get somebody from the outside and bump up this lineup we've only had one game of alloy so alloy might be one of those guys that is the catalyst but after one sam one game sample size, it's hard to say. That's that's what I have carrying around. So, I think now's a good time for some closing thoughts. How do you want to round it out?
0: Yeah, I as I said, I think I would be only a bit uh, disappointed in myself if I didn't mention the grudge I've been holding on to ever since my Twitter was blown up. Uh, about my comments on Tony LaRussa and how I don't think he deserves as much credit as I think people wanted to throw his way. I think one of the few ways we can evaluate managers is wins and losses, and especially wins and losses, as we have discussed plenty throughout the duration of this podcast in one-run games. And if what you want out of your Hall of Fame manager and the guy you're hoping to take you to a World Series is a below 500 record in those games where uh, not just the quality of your team is shown up against the quality of other good teams, but the quality of your decision-making is amplified because there is so small room for error, if that's what you're going for, then you could throw credit his way all you want that's i'm not there yet i'm not convinced that maybe it doesn't matter that much i also don't know that managers in general on the grand scheme of things matter all that much as far as wins and losses but it definitely matters the most in close games so i think there's a lot to look at and unpack and i don't really want to have a bunch of angry people in my mentions again. So I'll leave it at that. Uh, I think that this team can be better, especially against higher quality opponents.
1: I think they can be. I think there's something to be said for uh, now's the time to experiment. Tony's still trying to learn the team a little bit. I don't think he is um, invulnerable. To criticism i think he's earned whatever criticism comes his way I, I think there is some of it that is perhaps a little bit unearned but at the end of the day it has to some of it has to fall to him to what degree who knows
0: it's hard to that and that was the argument like to what degree do we give him credit and my yeah. point my point in all of that was well it's kind of like a scale Stack all is a pros cons list. I didn't go through and stack all as good and bad decisions or whatever, however you want to quantify it. But it, you know, I if we're doing that, I think it lines up pretty close to five hundred. So it's uh, just no credit, no stars.
1: I mean, if he's at five hundred, then he's not. Two and he's a half not, stars. He's not then actively hurting us. I'll put it that way.
0: Exactly. I think that's perfectly acceptable.
1: So, my closing thought, the the team needs something. And I the sentiment that I've seen floated out there is it's probably going to wait to the last minute. I originally was hoping last Thursday maybe we might actually get some action in terms of going into the into the Milwaukee series excuse me um, we would see something going on we would see a, a change we would see a trade something like that we get a little bit of boost from Eloy coming back I really really think if they only make one move it needs to be a bullpen arm we'll figure out the second base problem. I mean, if we have the singular hole in our lineup and it's the second baseman, so be it. I think we have to live with that. Everybody wanted to jump real quick to defend Liori because he was playing really well. And then all of a sudden we come out of the all-star break and he's batting like 048 now. So you can tell me, no, we don't need to make a move. We've got Liori all you want. But at the end of the day, that ain't going to cut it. So there's that.
0: Laury's wow. an is an absolute enigma. He is. It, it blows. He my doesn't mind. make sense. He breaks baseball. Yep, to a degree. He um. How about Yolmer? How about Yolmer? Let's go get Yolmer. And you know what? One thing he will bring. Two things he'll bring. Gold Glove caliber caliber second base, and energy. That boy brings energy. That's perfect. Who needs Eduardo Escobar? Who needs Trevor Story? Go get Yolmer Sanchez, and let's go win a title.
1: On that note, thus ends another episode of the Yolmer Sanchez Show.
0: Mm-hmm. Thanks for listening.
1: In all seriousness, though, thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you for hanging out with us and going on this journey. It's been definitely an exciting one. Um, I am in charge of planning next year's family vacation, and the direction that was chosen is east, so it's entirely possible we may be coming to visit uh, one of our aunts and uncles that live in Kentucky, and perhaps, if If the timing is right, uh, making a stop at Comiskey, as it were, or the rate if you will, so the you got G-spot. that to look forward to to next year. So I look forward to trying to connect with everybody from the Twitterverse. Obviously, I'm just one dude, and I'm going to have my 23 children with me, so <laughs> that'll be a little bit more difficult.
0: I don't babysit, at least at least not for free.
1: Not for free. See, <laughs> the, it's the not for free part that gets you. <laughs> If you are listening to this podcast on a platform that allows you to leave ratings and reviews, we would greatly appreciate any feedback you have. Make sure that you hit the subscribe button if you haven't already done so, or the follow, or whatever it is, so that you know when the latest episode drops. I'm Nate, he's Matt, we look forward to seeing you next week, and go Sox!